probably quote it with me. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. It goes on to say towards the end, if, 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 you, if you're being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good gifts to them that ask him? There is a biblical principle of, of our prayer being more than just our worship. And I believe worship and, and praise is a vital, maybe the most important part of our relationship with God. But there is plenty of biblical evidence that tells you that our prayers are how we ask God, we have needs, and and not to uh, identify the need or go through it. But how many of you have a need? Would you keep your hands up for a moment? Let me ask it one more time to make sure we're on the same age. If you've got a need in this place, would you raise your hand? If you've got your hand raised, this is who I'm preaching to right now in the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching to those who say, I've come to church, I've worshipped, I've given God praise, but I have a need. And Bible says in Matthew 21 and verse 21, he says, if you have faith, you can say to the mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and it is done. And he goes on to say that all things, whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. I realize that there is an improper way to ask. I don't know that God is going to answer your prayer request for receiving and, 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 and winning the lottery. I don't know that God is going to answer your prayer request for, uh, you know, a, a huge uh, mansion or a nice, expensive, over-the-top car, all right? But that should never deter us from asking. And I would like to preach, I'd like to tell you today that your need needs a voice. Your need needs a voice. Would you pray one more time that the power of God would sweep into this place on this Sunday morning and begin to move in a mighty way. Father, I believe that we have come and we have worshipped you lifting holy hands. We've come and we've laid aside doubt and fear and wrath and we stand here in faith believing. Lord, I looked out on a congregation that is full of needs. And I pray right now that when we preach the word of God, the word would not return void unto us. That when we preach your word, when we preach what you've told us, what you've instructed us, what you've said, Lord, may we stand on that promise that you would do what your word says and even do above and beyond what our hearts, our minds could even think or even dream about. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Somebody clap your hands unto him and give him praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You can be seated. I uh, remember vividly when Zoe was, was a toddler and uh, we went to Wendy's one Sunday night after church. And we were there at Wendy's and uh, she had got some fries or something. And, and uh, I mean, we hadn't, she, she, was, she was obviously walking and talking, but she was young. And, and all of a sudden I looked up and she was standing at, counter and she said something to the man behind the counter and the man went and got her french fries and gave it to her and I'm in my mind trying to figure out how did she pay for it how did she how did that transaction work come to find out she just simply went to the counter and said I want more fries and the man gave her more fries no money exchange hands 
No financial fiscal responsibility happened. She simply asked. Can I tell you today that the faith of that little child ought to be mirrored by your faith and my faith that maybe you can't afford it, you don't know how to get it, you don't even deserve it, but I believe there is a moment in all of our lives where we can come into the presence of God and simply ask Him because we don't know what else to do. Your need needs a voice. There are some 34 miracles recorded in the Gospels that Jesus did. And I have done my best, and I'm going to fly through this. So uh, if you're taking notes, good luck. And, and I don't have time to tell you where they are. I don't have time to tell you how many of the, of the, the uh, 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 Gospels mirrored the same because sometimes the Gospels uh, will, will, will tell the same story. And maybe it's a tad different, but it's the same story. If you really want it, come find me, and I can give you a cool uh, little um, you know, Excel kind of document that shows you how it is, but he healed the official son. He healed the possessed man. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He healed a whole lot of them at sunset. He healed the leper. He healed the paralytic, the man at the pool of Bethesda, the man with the withered hand. There was a crowd in Galilee that he touched. There was a centurion's son and a widow's son, two demonics. There was Jairus' daughter and an unclean woman, and then there was another daughter that he healed. Two blind men, he gave them back his sight. A dumb man, he gave them back his speech. They touched his clothes and he healed them. He healed another crowd in Galilee. There was a few of them in Nazareth that he healed. A Gentile's daughter, a deaf man, and then simply a multitude. There was an epileptic boy. There was a blind man. There was another blind and dumb man. There was the man of Bethsaida. There was the stooped woman, the man he healed of dropsy. Lazarus was raised. Ten lepers were healed. Crowds in Judea got their miracle. Blind Bartimaeus. There was many in Jerusalem. The ear of Malchus and the resurrection. And then he turned water to wine and he caught a bunch of fish for him. He calmed the sea and fed 5,000. He walked on water and then turned around and fed 4,000. He found money in a fish. I'm still waiting for that miracle. He had a tree that withered. He caught some more fish. And all of them, for at least the majority of them, had something in common. Of those 34 or so miracles, I could look at six of them very quickly. In Matthew 12, 10, he healed a man in a synagogue with a withered hand. And I find no record that that withered man ever asked him for anything. It was just God did it. He did it. Yes, it, it, it helped that man's quality of life, but more than that, God wanted to mess with the Pharisees and the religious leaders and he healed that man in church on a Sabbath day and it made those religious people absolutely mad that God moved in their church service. There's a whole nother sermon I could preach about that. In Luke 7, he stopped the funeral possession. Nobody seemed to have invited him to do so, but the word of God says he was moved with compassion. In Luke 13, he healed a stooped woman who couldn't lift herself up on a Sabbath day again just to prove that God wants to move in our church services and they didn't like it. In Psalms, or rather in John 5, 1, Jesus went to the lame man at the pool of Bethesda and Jesus initiated the conversation and, and asked him if he'd like to be made whole. It took that man a bit of time to figure out exactly what was happening. In John 9, 1, he healed the blind man by making clay and with spit and telling him to go wash. And really, he did it because the disciples and some others had asked who had sinned, the man or his parents, and that's why he was born blind. 
And then in Luke 22, he healed the ear of Malchus after Peter chopped it off. Those six tell me that sometimes God does a miracle without anybody asking. That sometimes God just shows up uninvited and moves. There's other accounts of Jesus healing a multitude of people and there are no specifics given. We just know he healed them. There's a few accounts where Jesus healed those that were possessed by devils. And while they were under that demonic oppression, they did not ask Jesus to heal them. But one thing I have found is that even under a demonic oppression, they were in the presence of Jesus. Sometimes they ran to Jesus. Sometimes they were in a service where Jesus was. And what that tells me is there ain't enough demons in this world that can hogtie you enough to where you can't be in the presence of God and God deliver you. There was a few times... He was healed with compassion when he healed and raised the widow of Nain's son. I'm sure that funeral director was mad. I'm trying to figure out, does he get his money back or do the family get their money back because we no longer need the tomb, we no longer need the hearse. Not exactly how all of that was and how all of that been, but, but there are a few times where we just see God move. But for the most of those miracles, there is a pattern that begins to emerge. And again, I'm running through this as quick as I can. In John chapter 4, when he made the water turn to wine, there was a nobleman whose son was sick. And here's how it reads, and pay close attention. When he heard that Jesus was come to Judea, he went to him, he besought him that he would come down and heal his son. In Matthew 8, the Bible says there were multitudes that followed, and a leper came worship Jesus saying if you will or if you can I want to be clean. In Matthew 15 it says there was a woman of Cana who came to Jesus and said have mercy on me O Lord thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 40 it says there was a man named Jairus who came to the fell at Jesus' feet and besought him asking him come to my house my daughter is grievously sick. There's blind Bartimaeus and other blind people that came and they begged and they pleaded and they cried out, have mercy on me, Jesus. Here is the thing. When I begin to look through the Bibles and the miracles of Jesus, I find that the vast majority of the miracles that happen, happen because somebody asked him. Somebody asked him, your need needs a voice. And Jesus himself even commanded it in Matthew 18. He said, "You bind, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And that verse has absolutely nothing to do with church services. The only time I ever hear that verse quoted is when we have a low attendance in a church somewhere. When we, my wife and I were evangelists and we would travel, it, it would irk me, but, you know, we'd be sitting there. And I, I've never been to that church before. I have no idea what that church is like. And the pastor would lean over and say, man, I'm so sorry. I don't know where all my people are. But bless God, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there he is. That's not what that verse means. What that verse means is when you get two people who begin to ask God for the same need, who begin to bind together and say, Lord, they have a need. The Bible says God is moved and he is there in the midst of them. 
in John 14. He said, he that believeth on me the works that I do, he'll do also in greater works than these shall he do. Whatsoever you ask in my name that I will do, my Father, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Again, let's, let's be understanding. The Bible says, and I'll probably come back to this verse, James chapter 4 tells us that uh, a lot of times we ask amiss. Now I'm gonna be. I, I, can I? Can I just be? Can I tell you that sometimes God just likes to bless you? Not prosperity doctrine. It's just truth. Sometimes God likes to bless you, and sometimes He does give you the desires of your heart. Sometimes He just shows up and does something He didn't need to do, have to do, want to do, and He just does it for you. And I like that. Now, you can laugh at me, you can joke with me, but I'm going to tell you right now that I have great faith. And, 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 and there, if you talk to me very often, you're going to find that I, I just believe God can do anything. Even, Brother Perryman, when it comes to hunting and fishing. I got a big buck on my wall there in my office. I was going to go, Sister Hannah, where are you at? Is she in here? Sister Hannah, I was hunting with your dad, and I got to... to, to, to uh, wherever you live, Viana. I got to Viana late. It was 3 o'clock. Bart Lloyd was already in the stand hunting, and I had no idea because he had brand new property. I had no idea where he was, and so I was going to miss hunting, and I finally said, hey, can I go hunt your dad's hay field? And I climbed up in this rickety old stand at about 3.30, and I, I just sat there, and I got out my phone because my ADD kicked in. I got out my phone, and I was texting Brother Bart Lloyd, hey, how's things going? Where are you at? You seeing anything? And I look up, and there's a giant deer 20 yards looking right at me. Brother Miller, I begin to pray. I don't know what else to do. Dear Lord, please let me get this buck. Dear Lord, please let me get this buck. And that buck turned his head, and I got my bow, and then he looked right back at me, and I kept on praying, Brother Lee, let me get this buck, let me get this buck. Well, God believe God answered because it's on the wall in there. You say, what do you mean? Well, see, I've just learned to ask God. I, 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 I harvested the buck, and we had some difficulty locating it. I begin to say, God, I, I don't, I don't want to lose an animal. I hate, you know, I have no desire to leave something in the woods. I believe that if you shoot it, you eat it, you, you, you know, you, you take care of it, and I do that. And I begin to pray, God, help me find it. And I happened to look up after about 200 yards, and there that buck was. Or in in Arizona this year, I harvested a javelina, and again, same thing. I was having a hard time finding it. And, and I, I finally just, just stopped in the middle of that prickly desert. And I said, Lord, I know it's here somewhere. Would you help me find it? I've tracked it. I've done everything I can humanly do. Will you help me find it? And when I got done praying, I looked up, and it was right there. Now you say, well, Brandon, I don't know if that's really God or not. I don't care what you think. Here's what I know. I prayed, and I found it. So I'm not going to tell you I'm a master tracker or, or I just knew where it was the whole time. I'm going to tell you that I have learned to ask God and God moves. Now I'm not going to tell you he's going to find all your bucks or let you win the lottery. Sometimes God just loves us. But I will tell you that your need needs a voice. And, and, and it's amazing how many times that I talk to people that have great needs, but somewhere in the midst of it, they've never seemed to ask God. 
Oh, they desire God to move. In fact, I was having a conversation just recently, and I, I don't remember who it was. It's been the last couple of days uh, that I was having a conversation, and I said there is an epidemic that's, that's facing Christians, and that is a lot of them have faith that Jesus can heal. They just don't have faith that Jesus can heal them. I can pray for you like nobody's business. I can touch heaven, Brother Harvey. I can call down angels. They'll walk on Jacob's ladder when I pray for you, but let it be my need. And all of a sudden, I shut my mouth, and I'm enduring it in, in pain and misery and agony. But then God began to speak to me, and he said, Brandon, your need needs a voice. You have not because you ask not. The Bible says that if I abide, or, or, or if you, John 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, by the way, that's probably one of the greatest prerequisites for your miracle. Do you obey the word of God? Oh, sure, I could point to a few instances where some cold, hard, nasty sinner who doesn't believe God's word prayed and God manifested himself to that sinner and thanked the Lord for that. But I could point to a whole lot of places where people use God like some sort of dirty dish rag that you need only when you need him and you never talk to him anywhere else. So if I could give you a little teaching amongst the preaching, and that would be that if Jesus, if you abide in Jesus and Jesus' words abide in you, he goes on to say, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Your need needs a voice. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you now to turn to Luke chapter 18 and I want to walk through it just a little bit because I believe there are some timeless truths that begin to, to be seen here. In Luke chapter 18 it begins to say he told them a parable that men ought to, uh, to the effect that they should always pray and not lose heart. He said in a certain city there was a judge who would neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. And for a while he refused. And afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet this widow keeps bothering me. I will give her justice so she will not beat me down with her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Legal systems were far different in the times of, the, of Jesus than they are now. Widows particularly were a forgotten element of society, which is why Moses' law and then even the book of Acts spends a lot of time on how they, they handled the widowed. Because if a, if a man passed away and and his widow remained, uh, the, the widow would have found it very hard to make any money. If the husband who died, if there was nothing in the bank, if there was no retirement, if there was no life insurance, they would have basically been destitute. And many times they were forgotten. Many times they were cast aside. And the judges in this time, day and age, um, they would come and they would kind of like circuit judges, if you will. They would come, they'd set up a tent or they'd find a home to work in and they would hear the cases. The problem is, just like a lot of justice systems, bribery, 
finds its way in there. And if I wanted to hear my, have him hear my case, I could slip him a little extra money, and I could go first to the to the line, and they would hear my case first. And so, a lot of times, the wealthy and those that had influence got their case heard. Those that had nothing tended to be at the end of the line, and then that judge would say, "Well, I gotta go, go and pack up shop," and that woman would be there. He had no desire to hear. She kept coming. I have a need. Kept knocking on the door. I have a need. Kept knocking on the door until finally that unrighteous, ungodly judge says, she's wearing me down with her continual coming. Now there is an element of that that, that, that woman begging. There's an element of that woman uh, realizing that, that she had no position. She had no uh, chances are she was never going to be heard. But the Bible contrasts the unrighteous judge with our Heavenly Father. And can I tell you today that the principle that this uh, parable tells you and I is that the persistent prayer is not a begging prayer. It's not, Brother Marks, you coming to God and saying, please, 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 please heal me. No, the persistent prayer of that widow tells us this. She knew her only hope was that judge. That was the only answer. If she could have found that answer anywhere else, she would have done figured it out and she would have left off asking that judge and she would have found something out. Can I tell you that in your life we come up against circumstances and sicknesses and things that we have exhausted all other resources. The doctors no longer can help. The, the counselors can no longer help. Your family's past fixing in some sort of court and all you know is there is one that can. There is one that is able. There is one that will hear me. And if I've got to come to him every day and say, God, I have nowhere else to turn, so I'm coming into your presence. And then tomorrow, Lord, I have nowhere else to turn. I'm coming into your presence. And that persistent prayer is not a persistent begging, but it is a persistent faith. Listen to me, somebody. Faith says that, 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 that she said, if that judge will ever take my case, he will help me. She had faith in, the ju in that judge, and he was an unrighteous, ungodly judge. My faith is such that I have faith in my God, and so when I come to him, even if I come to him daily, I come to him not begging, not pleading, but I come to him in faith and a confidence he can do it. If I could right now, I wish I could reach into your life and give you some of the faith that I have. I wish I could help you see that you serve a God bigger than your problem. I wish I could help you see you serve a God bigger than your tears, bigger than your depression, bigger than your despair, and he can do it. It is that it's this, this Bible tells us that that, that men ought to always pray another place it says to pray without ceasing and that doesn't mean that you kneel down at an altar 24 hours a day and pray but instead what I believe it is is it's a it's a a spirit of prayer it's a spirit of 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 intercession if you will 
that no matter what happens, you can simply breathe under your breath, Jesus, I need you right now. I'll tell you right now, that's where most of my prayers come from. It's just a daily walk with God, daily driving, daily uh, doing whatever, and just all of a sudden, I used to hear my grandma do it, and I never understood it. I'd hear my grandpa do it or my parents, but now I realize I'm doing it. Just walk through life, and it's just a, Lord, you're awesome today, and that may be all you say for a little bit, and then you go, thank you, Lord, for blessing. Thank you for providing. But, God, I have a need right now. I'm just bringing it to you. It happened to be on my mind. It's just stream of consciousness, if you will. It's how I'm thinking today and so Lord I need you and I begin to realize that all day long I've been talking to God it goes on to say in Luke chapter 18 and verse 10 it tells the story of the two men that went up to pray one a Pharisee the other a tax collector the Pharisee prays a grand prayer with big words and, 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 and it sounds so good he tells about how perfect he is and how holy he is it, it's, it's mirrored by a tax collector standing afar off lifting his eyes to heaven or can't even lift his eyes to heaven and just kind of smoting his breast saying Lord I don't deserve to be in your presence and can I tell you what that, that, that portion of scripture tells us is that your prayers don't have to be perfect and your prayers don't have to be grand and there's no right way to pray. You don't have to speak in King James English with the these and the thous and you don't have to come up with some massive prayer. You can simply come and bow your head and say, God, I know I haven't been perfect. I know I've not done everything right, but Lord, I'm in the middle of a crisis. I'm in the middle of a problem and I need you right now and here's the one. Which one did God hear? He heard the tax collector's prayer. Or verse 15, they were bringing infants to him that he might touch them. And disciples saw it, they rebuked him. Jesus called out to them and said, let the children come unto me. Don't hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Whoever doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And there's much that could be said about those verses. There's, there's sermons and probably even series that could be uh, uh, pulled out of that. As I began to read it, I was struck by the remembrance and by the thought of the way a child asks from their parents. They have no idea the cost. They have no idea even how it comes. Just that simple faith that says, well, daddy can get it for me. Mommy can get it for me. Perhaps that's the faith that you and I need to cultivate. The faith that says, I'm not sure how the miracle's going to come. Because if I knew how it was going to come, I wouldn't have to pray. If you need a financial miracle in your life, and the reason you need a financial miracle in your life is because you have no idea how to do a budget and you spend everything that comes in and the time, you know, on, on Monday or Friday, whenever you get your paycheck, you go out and buy uh, car parts and you go buy Amazon shopping stuff and you do all of that and then you're trying to figure out why your lights are getting turned off. You can pray all you want. You can ask God to touch you all you want, but you know the answer to your need. The need is quit spending the money that you're, for, for your rent and, and, and learn how to budget and if you'll do that, you'll find that God will bless you. If you can answer your need, you don't need God. 
So I'm not talking about those needs that really, in reality, you've been praying and begging, and I'll just stay on the financial part for a moment. When you've been begging and pleading God to give you money, God grant you money, God give you a new raise at your job, and meanwhile, God keeps tapping you at night and saying, well, I'd like to give you a raise, but you can't do with what I'm giving you yet, so how about you quit spending money, save a little bit of money, and in reality, God's telling you how to fix it. Some of you here today, that's not the financial miracle you need. You've done everything you can do. You've turned in every paperwork. You've made sure your budget is right and something happened. Maybe a medical bill came in or maybe the loss of a job and you don't know how to do it. That's the one I'm talking to right now where you've exhausted every other option, but now you've got to put a voice to the need that you have and you lift up your voice and you say, God, I don't know the answer. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I need you. I don't know how it's going to come to pass. I don't know how much it's going to cost you. I don't know how you're going to do it, Lord, but you're my heavenly Father, and I'm going to have the faith of a child just to look and say, this is my need. And when your need has a voice, there's something that happens. Which takes me towards the end of Luke 18, verse 35. As Jesus walks and gets near uh, uh, Jericho, and there's a blind man sitting there, and he hears a crowd going by, and he inquires what it means. And they say, oh, Jesus that, 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 that of Nazareth, he's passing by. And something happens in blind Bartimaeus' life. He lifts up his voice. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They rebuked him. They tried to shut him up. They tried to turn him away. And the Bible says when they told him to be silent, he cried out all the more, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Finally, Jesus stops and commands him to be brought to him. And when Bartimaeus comes near, he asks him, here's the key, what do you want me to do? Hey, Jesus, you know that whole omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, you know, you, you know everything, you see everything, you have all power. The dude's walking up with a cane, you know, one of those white canes with red strips. He's tapping his way, and he's got something over his eyes. Don't you think, Lord, that's probably the need he has? God says, I just want to hear what he needs. Because maybe he doesn't care that he's blind. Sometimes, and I'll just help you out, sometimes the need that you think you have is not the need God wants to minister to. And other times, the need that everybody thinks you have may not be the need you need, something else. So God says, what do you want me to do with you? Blind Bartimaeus says, well, I'd like to recover my sight. Somewhere in Bartimaeus' life, he must have been able to see. And now he, he lost it somehow. And Jesus said unto him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight. And it began because one, a couple things happened. Number one, he recognized that Jesus was in their midst. If, you're, if your prayer is not contingent on the fact that Jesus is near, then what are you praying for? See, this goes back to that, do you obey God's word? There has to be some sort of relationship that works. And, and I, I, 
know that you can be out of relationship with Jesus and you can find your way back and, and you can do that. But can I just tell you, for those of you who've lived your life in a relationship with the Lord and you've done your work, your best, and you've, you, you, you've read and you've had spiritual disciplines and you come to church, can I just help you out? Jesus is near to you. He's in your midst right now. And if Jesus is in your midst, then your need needs a voice and you call out to him. And I believe through the worship we did at the beginning in the, uh, of our service, that was part of that calling out to him. Jesus, thou son of David, I love you, Lord. And when you have got his attention, he will come to you and he's going to ask, what do you I do not take this lightly, and I'm not trying to make some sort of a, a of a doctrine out of it. But but can I just help you? I believe this morning, if you'll listen to the voice of your pastor, and 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 we know that when it comes to preaching, it ought not be the words of the one preaching. It ought to be the words of Jesus that are just being distributed. Does that make sense? But I believe I stand here today to speak in the voice of Jesus, if you will. If we can talk about, let me be your hands, let me be your feet, sometimes he gives someone the voice. And I believe in this sermon, what he is asking you is, what do you want me to do? Come on, I'm talking to somebody whose faith is rising. I know you've asked before, I understand that. I've got needs that I've been asking for for quite some time. But in preparation for this, God began to speak to me. And he said, does your need have a voice? I want to hear you say it. So what is it you want the Lord to do? And then the, the fourth thing that's so important is after the miracle, that blind Bartimaeus who's now got his sight back followed Jesus and glorified God. Perhaps sometimes the Lord uses his ability to know the end from the beginning. Perhaps sometimes he sees someone who desires a miracle but doesn't desire the relationship after the miracle. So he says, well, I'm not interested in touching you because the moment I heal you, the moment I deliver you, the moment I open that up, you're just going to leave me He's looking for a blind Bartimaeus that said, I'll follow. Oh, I needed you in, my, in my, my blindness. I needed you in my circumstance, but I'll follow you in my healing. I'll follow you in my miracle. Jesus begins to say, and his word goes forth. Let me, let me quote it now and read to you from James 4. You desire and you don't have, so you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. But it's that ending thing that says you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. If you are asking selfish desires, you're at war with yourself and you're going to be unhappy. You'll never enjoy life because you're asking amiss. Instead of being thankful for blessings you have, some tend to just complain about the blessings they don't have. They're always looking for some magic bullet from God that will change their life and change their circumstances. That's not who I'm talking about tonight. I'm looking for those 
1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to always pray or pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean that you constantly repeat prayers because in fact Jesus himself said he's not looking for vain repetitious prayers. But instead it means that prayer ought to be as natural to you as your breathing. That in order for you to be alive there's an atmosphere of breath around you that you don't even think about it. Prayer is much more than what your lips say. Prayers ought to be the desires of your heart and your heart ought to constantly desire the things of God. And even if you never speak a word, to pray without ceasing means that your natural atmosphere is just to be in His presence. And say, God, I have a need. Here I am. It's Mark 6 and 47 evening had come. The boat was on the sea with the disciples. Jesus was on the land. They were making headway but it wasn't going well. The wind was contrary. It was against them. They were scared. The waves were crashing over the boat. The Bible says about the fourth watch of the night Jesus came walking on the sea. But there's something in and and this this is played out in other gospels but Mark's gospel says that he was going to pass them by. He meant to pass them by. Can you imagine? It's just Jesus being Jesus. I'm on this side of Galilee. I got to get on that side. There's a sea in front of me. My disciples took the boat. I'll just walk on the water. He would have passed them. The Bible says they begin to call out to him. And in calling out to them, it got the attention of the one that may have passed them by. And in doing so, Peter walked out to him, and he walked on. Then finally they walked on the boat. He calmed the waves. And can I just tell you today that in your life, and even in today, I feel like God is here. But he's going to pass you by unless you call out to him. I want you to stand today. I feel the presence of God. I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost.